Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with avant-garde jazz guitarist Mary Halverson. We caught up with Mary during the COVID-19 quarantine in April 2020 going on around the world, and we talked about a great number of things, like her latest 2019 CD, A Tangle of Stars, and other projects on the horizon. Originally from Brookline, Massachusetts, from 2017 to 19, she won Best Guitar in Downbeat's International Critics Poll, and is always a perennial fan favorite. She's done so much stellar work with a huge crop of jazz musicians over the years, and she keeps on innovating with each successive project. We talked with Mary about her career and this very unique time in both jazz and the world at large. It was an honor to speak with her here at the show, so please get to know her and dig this interview. Mary, thank you. I've been a big fan for a long time. I appreciate you taking some time out today. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much. And yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to me a little bit. You know, one thing I want to do as a function of this is kind of to give, you know, listeners kind of a way of supporting musicians now that the music is not happening live and to just keep this ball rolling as, as best we can. So what projects are you involved with or anything that might be on the horizon for you? The next thing on the horizon is the collective group that I'm a part of called Thumbscrew with Michael Formanek on bass and Toma Fujiwara on drums. We recorded in honor of Anthony Braxton's 75th birthday, which is in June, we recorded an album of all Anthony Braxton compositions, mostly early and mostly most of them have not been recorded before. So that's coming out in June. We're kind of finalizing that and working on it now, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. It, you know, it's somewhat of a strange time to release music, but Anthony's still turning 75, <laughs> and we still wanted to put it out um, in June when his, when his birthday is happening. There's that. Um, I also have a record coming out in the fall with my band Code Girl, which was recorded this past December. It'll probably be out in October or something like that. Those are the two things I have coming up, you know, in the next six months or so. Right on. So talk to me a little bit about your beginnings in Brookline, Massachusetts. You know, how did you get involved with jazz and, and what was kind of your childhood like? Yeah, I got into jazz sort of by accident. Um, my dad had a lot of jazz records, so there would be jazz on in the house sometimes, but I don't think I was particularly drawn to it. <laughs> it was just it was just something that was there. I played classical violin when I was a kid and then got pretty bored with that, and I was really interested in the guitar. So at, at some point, there was an acoustic guitar lying around the house, and at some point when I was maybe 11 or 12, I, I heard Jimi Hendrix, and I was really into the Beatles and the Allman Brothers, things like that. So I wanted to play guitar. When my parents realized I was fairly serious about it, they had a teacher that was recommended to them who just happened to be a jazz guitarist. That's how I got into jazz was basically my teacher started teaching me jazz on guitar. And it was one of those things where the more I heard it, the more I played it, the more interesting it became to me. So it was kind of a gradual thing where I got sucked into it. And then at a certain point in high school, I had a group of friends that were all into jazz, so we were trading music back and forth, and I was taking a lot of music out of the library. Um, so, yeah, it was really a kind of, I fell in love with it gradually. Yeah, I mean, that was basically it, I think. And, you know, from from there, it, it started with Miles Davis, John Coltrane, Thelonious Monk. That was sort of my first window into it. Um, and then somehow I wound up 
studying with Anthony Braxton at Wesleyan. So then that that opened up a whole other area of of music to me as well. You know, the one thing I hear about jazz from from a, a teaching standpoint is it's one of the more difficult languages to learn. Is that one of the reasons why, you know, I don't know, that students kind of get involved with it and teachers push it because it is kind of the apex of the mountains for learning music. Is that true? You know, I've never heard that said, or I wouldn't have thought about it that way. I would imagine, I don't know if I think that's true. Um, not that I think it's easy, but I would imagine that every tradition that one could learn on music has a lot of, is very complex and would have a lot of challenges in, in really learning it well. At the same time, I think, you know, whether or not, I don't consider myself like a straight-ahead jazz player, really, but whether or not I'm I'm going to play the music or perform the music, it, it's such a great foundation to learn harmony and melody and rhythm, and, and um, I still, I practice jazz all the time now, so, and I love it, so for me, it's, it's, it's really useful, but whether it's more difficult to learn than other traditions, I don't think I could say, actually, because I haven't spent a whole lot of time learning, you know, I, I did classical music for a little bit as, as a child, but... Has it always been music for you? I know when you went to Wesleyan, you started to study biology. Did you have other dreams of what you wanted to do, or has it always kind of been music was your path? Um, no, I, you know, I didn't know I was going to do music. I, I just thought music was a hobby. Um, and, again, I, I keep on saying this thing, I got sucked into it gradually, but I really did, because at a certain point I realized I was sort of too deep in to, to go back. And that was probably in the middle of college when I realized that, because I was intending to study science, so biology specifically. I don't know what I, 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 it wasn't like I had any specific idea for that. It wasn't like I wanted to be a doctor necessarily. Maybe I wanted to do research. I don't think I had any idea. But um, at some point, I, I thought, okay, well, I have to do music, even though that seemed completely impractical, <laughs> kind of a, a crazy thing to do as a career. Or I don't, I don't think I thought it was really possible to do as a career. Um, but at a certain point, it seemed like I just had to. How did you develop your style, your sound? I mean, is it something, how, how do you kind of go into it? You have a very unique way of approaching music. How did that develop? How did that voice come about for you? I mean, for me, the key thing was I had teachers that were really pushing me to to, to do my own thing and to, to try to do something creative and, you know, to try to take risks and make mistakes and discover something new while at the same time still learning tradition, but, but to make sure to have both of those. So that was something that was drilled into my head early, both by Anthony Braxton and by Joe Morris, who was my guitar teacher when I was in college, I always had the notion that, that I needed to really reach for things and experiment. So that's that's what I tried to do then. That's still what I try to do. Because for me, it's sort of a, it's an ongoing goal, right, to develop a voice and to, to find new things. It's not like suddenly you found your voice and that's it. You're always looking for more or, you know, looking for ways to change or develop what you're doing. So I, I think for me, a lot of that really came directly from my teachers. I think I was lucky that, that I had really good teachers that pushed me to do that. You know, now that there's a level of probably nostalgia, but thinking about live shows and performing, 
If you mm -hmm. think back in your career, how many times or was there one specific time where you got off stage and said, man, that was magical? I've never experienced that. That was mind-blowing. Yeah, you know, I've, I've probably had a lot of those moments and a lot of the opposite. <laughs> but I think performing is such, it, it really can be magical. Um, and, and you can have performances where you just feel like something completely crazy happened um, for many reasons, whether you really just were completely in tune with the other musicians on the stage or maybe you got a chance to play with one of your heroes, or maybe just the feeling in the room was, was so special. So, yeah, I think that's happened a lot. If there's one specific instance, boy, I've never, I've never thought about that before. But, you know, often I think it's the early, the early memories that kind of hit you the hardest. You know, like maybe the yeah. first time you went on tour. I think about this a lot, that I remember some of the early tours I did in vivid detail. Like I can remember almost everything that happened, um, but I might not remember a tour that I did last year <laughs> in great yeah. detail. So I think there, there is sort of, and probably your, your memory changes it a little bit too, but for a very long-winded way of answering your question, I, I think it's, it's probably some of the earliest performance memories that for me are, are, feel the most magical. And that would have been... So many things. I mean, playing with my teachers, who I, I keep coming back and talking, talking about, um, Joe Morris and Anthony Braxton. Uh, one of the first tours I did was with Trevor Dunn's Trio Convulsant. Um, and those shows have a really magical quality in my memory. So let me ask you this. If you have a dream tonight and you run into your younger self around the time that you started performing, what advice would you give yourself? What would be the, the, the number one thing that you would tell your younger self? Uh, that's a good question. I'd probably tell myself to relax. <laughs> 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 Just, you know, try to, try to enjoy the process and, and not, spend time, not spend too much time worrying um, and to really take time with things. You know, that's something I think about a lot now is, is slowing down and taking time to actually absorb things and learn things and not feel like you have to rush through everything, you know, because each experience is going to happen in, in its own time. You know, you don't need to do everything right away. What was one of the first live jazz shows you ever saw that made you think, man, that's something I want to do? You know, I remember seeing the Art Ensemble of Chicago when I was in high school, I think. They played at Berkeley in Boston. I remember seeing that show and thinking it was so exciting. And I had a couple friends. We used to drive down to the Newport Jazz Festival every summer and just check out absolutely everything. For me, it's, it's sort of that experience, like less a specific show and more the idea of just being like, everything is amazing. <laughs> you know, we're going to drive down and hear all the music all day. You know, it's like, I remember one year it was pouring rain. It was like filled with mud and we're, we, I think we were camping out in a tent or something and just, we were just so excited about about music, and I think I actually did really enjoy a lot of stuff. I think that was the, the main thing for me, was wanting to absorb everything and, and just hear as much music as I possibly could. But what do you like best about waking up every day and being a musician? What's the greatest thing about it? I think the freedom of it. You know, I really like being able to make my own schedule and work at my own pace. 
and I like not having to answer to anybody. And I like the fact that I enjoy working. <laughs> you know, if you want to call it work, I can work seven days a week and be completely happy, but, but really do it on my own time. I, I think I really just like the feeling of, of creating something, of, of trying to use creativity and, and make something that you're excited about and that you, that you value. Not that it's like that all the time. I mean, there's aspects of being a musician <laughs> where you do have to set an alarm and, and, and do things and, and go places. But I guess right now, where, where there's no gigs and there's nothing, as much as one can enjoy the time right now, I think I'm, I'm enjoying just working on stuff at my own pace and, and enjoying that process. Why do you love jazz? I don't know. I mean, it's the music I grew up listening to, really. That's how I feel now. And I love the improvisational aspect of it, um, the excitement of it. I love, you know, I think the more you, it's, it's like learning a language. Like when you, when you get deep into something, there's so many layers of things happening. And so just being able to appreciate that. And um, I don't know, I love the language. I love the, the melody and the harmony and the rhythms of the whole thing. Yeah, it's, it's hard to articulate why, because I've, <laughs> I've felt that way for so long. So I, I kind of want to ask a question specific to our world. It's a very unique experience all of us are living right now about COVID-19 and being in quarantine. But prior to that, I just want to know from you, before all of this happened, how healthy do you think jazz is in the world in, in 2020? I, mean, I guess it d depends on what you mean by healthy. But I'll, I'll say that I think there's a ton of really exciting music happening that's based around the sort of nondescript word of jazz <laughs> or the, the large umbrella of jazz. I think there's so much great music happening all over the place. And so in that respect, I think it's very healthy. I think there's so much music to check out and discover. I'm even in New York alone. You know, there's there's so much happening everywhere all the time and I think it's actually a really creative time for music you know we're eventually going to come out of quarantine we're going to return to our normal lives the jazz will thankfully begin again and I want to know from you what do you think during this time what revelations do you think we're going to garner from this as we head back either onto the stage as a musician or as an audience member what do you hope we get from this time of you know whatever we want to call it whether it's reflection recalibrating, whatever term we want to use, what revelations do you hope that everybody has collectively as we get back to life? I mean, I think it's twofold because everybody's going to have their own personal revelations that they get out of this because it's impossible not to. You know, so for me, there's things just about my daily routine and the way I approach life that I might want to bring back once things start getting crazy again. Um, but I think also just thinking about the planet and the world and and how we can make the world a more habitable place, or hopefully people will come at it being a little more, I don't know what the word is, conscious, careful, thinking about the environment, thinking about compassion for other people. I mean, it's, it's such a huge thing. I, I think there's going to be a ton of these micro and macro revelations. My final question to you is this. Everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, but you're living your life. Who do you think you are? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. 
it's you know it's how you're asking me all kinds of things I've never thought about before. <laughs> I guess I'm not a very self-reflective person. Um, <laughs> well, they're not no, easy I, questions. I, you know, I, what's I, that? I, they're not easy questions, and I yeah. and I try to go to the heart of of the musician and really get an insight. So it's yeah, it's, um, they're they're different. I'm sure. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, no, and and there's no yeah there there's no answer that fits that. It's it's that's why I kind of hold it towards the end. It's it's one of the harder <laughs> ones. You know what? That that's that's an answer in itself. Mary, thank you. You I, I did put you <laughs> through a lot of a lot of questions. Thank you for taking this time out to talk about your career and, and this very unique time for humanity. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, thank, thanks for talking to me. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest guitarists, singers, and players in Boston, New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over this world of ours. And thanks to Mary for her time, her music, and all the stories. If you want to hear more interviews, Go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. And whatever you do, support the arts in any way you can, especially now during this COVID-19 quarantine world we live in. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Jazz.